All right. If we could uh, gather in a little bit. Everybody's in a social mood. All right, so welcome to Country Christian here this morning, the last Sunday in May. So I've got James chapter 4, verse, I'm going to start at 13, and uh, kind of goes with the busyness this morning. It says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why do you do not even know, why do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are in the midst that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that as it is. You boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin. So we're right at the end of May, right at the beginning of halfway through the year. Um, at the beginning of the year, we always have these New Year's resolutions. So one of the things right now, it's like, well, how's the six months checkup working out? Um, we're in the midst of graduation. It's a beginning. It's a excitement. Um, lots of things going on. The, and the students are looking forward to being not students and careers and all the excitement. And, uh, you know, they go, oh. The opal, what did it say? The pearl is right before him. You know, we're going to go out and we're going to conquer and life is just going to be grand. And then some of us later on in life is like, eh, if life's an oyster, um, maybe I'm allergic to clams. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, sometimes when you hear the verse, it talks about, or it kind of sticks in your mind. It's like, oh, no, we shouldn't boast. We shouldn't be talking about what I'm going to go do or go this or that without explaining that if it's the Lord's will. But as you go to the end of the verse, it talks about that the fact that you're going to go do something. You know, the plan is you're going to get up and you're going to go do something. And halfway through the year, looking to the other half of the year, being inspired by graduates, what are we going to do? What, what are we going to do? Well, we plan to do what the Lord wants us to do. So are we waiting? Are we listening? Are we trying? Sometimes it's like, I don't know, but I'm going to try to do something. And um, I just want you to think about going into this summer, it's like, what am I going to do for the Lord? What am I going to, am I going to sit here and I'm just going to wait? Sometimes you do need to wait. Maybe there is a season of waiting. But um, it talks a lot more about going and do. You're not going to do it for salvation. You're going to go do it to share about the Lord. You're going to go do it to work for the Lord, not to give your own glory, but to give him glory. And um, as we go and just think about the, the energy and the excitement that the graduates have, um, maybe we can uh, maybe 
take up a little bit of that and go, hey, we're going to go work for the Lord. The world is my opal. And, and as a child of God, that is really how it is. So um, let's just bow for a word of prayer, and then we'll have the worship team come up. Dear Lord, we're thankful for the sunshine. We're thankful for the air conditioning, and we're thankful that we can all gather together freely and worship you and praise you and encourage one another and um, share about you. Dear Lord, as we go forward, may you just continually speak to us and guide us and direct us. Bless this worship team. Give them uh, clear voices and an open heart. And as we sing with them, let us have the same. In Jesus' name, amen. And so Pastor Jason's been teaching us about judges and um, last week he ended with the challenge um, to say, speak something out loud when, you know, whatever happens to us, whether it's good or bad. And I thought that was interesting. And um, anyway, we're giving Pastor Jason a break today. So, um, so a little bit, just to give you a little bit of, um, uh, what's the word? I guess a word of warning. Um, there was another time I spoke here, and um, my nephew, Nathaniel Hicks, was here. And my nephew is a straight shooter. In fact, he, he shoots a gun very straight, and he, he talks pretty straight, too. His father's a pastor. And um, he kind of summed up what he had heard me say that day. He said, it's kind of like eating kale. It's probably good for you, but it doesn't taste good. So <laughs> just a little word of warning. <clears throat> so I want to talk to you about the power of words. And um, so I thought I'd start out by, I I've been thinking about the similarities between Mitch and me. I know it's all pretty obvious to you, but, you know, <laughs> Mitch is tall. And I'm not this tall, but, you know. And Mitch has a big beard. And I don't. And um, Mitch is a positive guy. Everybody likes Mitch. Everybody wants to be around Mitch because he's so positive. I mean, it's just the way it is, you know? And um, I wish I was more like Mitch. So, um, yeah, the power of words. Uh, I've kind of, I've talked about this once before, but so there might be some review here, but um, I want to look at Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. And just to set this up, um, this is the story of the Tower of Babel. <clears throat> and this happened after the flood of Noah's time. So the people, you know, God instructed the people both in Genesis chapter 1 and in Genesis chapter 9 to, you know, be fruitful, have big families, and fill the earth, you know, with, um, you know. So anyway... This is, 
you know, people are starting to build in numbers, and all of a sudden they come up with this plan. So let's read about it. At this time, the whole world spoke one language, and everyone used the same words. As people moved from the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They said to each other, let's make bricks and bake them to make them hard. So they used bricks instead of stones and tar instead of mortar. Then they said to each other, let's build a city and a tower for ourselves, whose top will reach high into the sky. We will become famous. Then we will not be scattered over all the earth. The Lord came down to see, see the city and the tower that the people had built. The Lord said, now these people are united. All speak the same language. This is only the beginning of what they will do. They will be able to do anything they want. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not be able to understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. The place is called Babel, since that is where the Lord confused the language of the whole world. So the Lord caused them to spread out from there over the whole world. So, yeah, interesting thing here. Um, and and what, what the Lord says is really amazing. This is only, beginning, only the beginning of what they will do. They will be able to do anything they want. You know, why would God say that? <clears throat> so there's some theories about why they were going to build this tower. Uh, they were going to, you know, make it out of bricks and seal it up with tar so it would be, in a sense, waterproof. And so some th think that possibly this was, you know, because God had flooded the earth and he'd promised never to flood the earth again, but they didn't really believe that. So they thought, we're going to make a tower. He's not going to do that to us again. Which, you know, it's kind of their, they were thinking of how they could do stuff with their own hands, how they could, you know, change this, you know, in their own power. And then, of course, they were not following God's instruction to, you know, scatter or fill the earth. <clears throat> so there were two things they set out to do. They wanted to become famous and not be scattered over the earth. It's interesting that we don't know the name of any of these people. Obviously, no one of this group, we don't know any of their names. They didn't become famous. Uh, one Greek historian, Herodotus, said that the tower still stood when he was alive, and he had actually seen it. But, yeah, he didn't know any names of anybody who built it either. So, yeah, the very thing that they set out to do the opposite happened. 
Okay, so now the, the other thing that kind of got me started on this whole um, issue of the power of words was I heard something in the news a couple of weeks ago. And um, anyway, this dates back to about three months ago, March 2nd. <clears throat> Texas Governor Greg Abbott, he issued an executive order lifting the mask mandate and increasing the capacity of all businesses to 100%. And this was, holy cow, what is this guy doing, you know? And his, his justification was, well, you know, we have a vaccine now, or several vaccines, and we have better drugs, you know, we've learned how to treat the, the uh, China, I mean, uh, the virus, and um, anyway, um, and he also made a, a very important statement that each person has a role to play in their own personal safety. What a concept. You know I mean, you know, I mean, we don't have to, you know, trust in our political leaders to decide what they think is best for us. You know, that's, that's kind of earth-shattering. <clears throat> so three months ago, what happened? So uh, the day after this announcement, um, President Biden was asked by a reporter um, about, you know, this decision, you know, and what did he think about it? It was, I kind of yelled to him, you know, which I'm sure he expected it, but his response including, included the words, the last thing we need is Neanderthal thinking. Neanderthal thinking. Okay, now, just think about that word Neanderthal. Everybody gets a picture in their mind. I know, I know what you're thinking. You think of this hairy caveman, and he's dumb, right? Everybody thinks that, right? Okay, now, this, this is the perfect example of the power of words. Um, so we all, we all get this picture in our mind. But the truth is that, and, and I... Uh, this is very true. <laughs> a Neanderthal is a fictional prehistoric being. It's never existed. <clears throat> it is reported to be of low intelligence by those who have great faith in the power of death to save them from God's judgment. I, I wrote that myself. I'm kind of proud of it. I'm going to read that again. <clears throat> a Neanderthal is a fictional prehistoric being reported to be of low intelligence by those who have great faith in the power of death to save them from God's judgment. What a crazy world we live in. There has never been any good evidence that Neanderthal existed. And yet we all have this picture in our mind. Okay, so then what happened two weeks ago that got me started on all this? This is exactly two weeks ago today, May 16th. Governor Abbott tweeted, Today, Texas reported zero 
COVID deaths. The only time that has happened since data was tracked since March of 2020, zero. The fewest cases in over 13 months, the lowest seven-day COVID positivity rate ever, and the lowest COVID hospitalizations in 11 months. So all this happened with this Neanderthal thinking. <clears throat> but I mean, let's look at this. What, why did this happen? What changed? What, why did people in Texas stop dying? Because they qu people quit telling them they were gonna die. That's what happened. They didn't have to look at everybody with a mask on and go, oh, I could die. And when you quit telling people they're going to die, they stop dying. It's amazing, the power of words. Um, so just a quick verse that, uh, that, that kind of backs us up. This is Proverbs 18, uh, verse 14. The will to live can get you through sickness. But no one can live with a broken spirit. Isn't that true? I mean, we've witnessed that. Okay. Okay, so now another um, bunny trail I went down, and this is kind of, I'll blame this on Scott Clemenson because. He stated uh, several weeks or months back about how there's, there's been no flu this year. And um, so I thought I should look into this. And um, so I went to the um, Centers for Disease Control website. I studied it. And it is extensive and confusing, and, but I tried. So I have a few statistics. The first one is, in an average year, about 10% of us get the flu. So that's be like, you know, 38 million people will get the flu in an average year, which this last year, or actually the, the year 2019 to 2020, um, that's exactly the number they estimate who got the flu. I don't know how they estimate these things, but that's what they do. Okay, so, and then in an average year, 36,000 U.S., you know, American people will die from the flu. Average year. Okay, so when I studied their website, I was looking for direct comparisons between the 2019-20 flu season and the 2020-21 flu season. They, they, um, they count the flu season as from October to April. So that's the official flu season. And I found two statistics that I could direct, that were like direct comparisons. So this is, you know, it's not exactly what I was looking for, but, but it'll give us some idea. So 2019-2020, there were 297,468 positive tests for the flu. So roughly, you know, a quarter million people who, who, you know, 
they did a test, whatever, a blood test, or I'm not sure what they do, and they verified that that person had one of the strains of the flu. Okay, fast forward to this, this year, or you know, the next season, 20, uh, 20 to 2021, and there are less than 2,000 positive tests for the flu. So, you know, I'm not a very good statistician, but that's like 150 times difference. So it's like it went from one year, you know, to almost uh, 300,000 to uh, less than 2,000, which is be like 0.06%. So this is like dramatic statistics. I mean, they've never seen anything like this before. The other statistic I could compare year to year was the number of pediatric deaths, which I'm not sure what age group they call pediatric, but it's young. And so uh, the previous season, it was 198. This last season, it was one. That's like a 200 times or, or 0.05%. So these are you know, incredible statistics. They've never seen anything like this. But it just proves to me the power of words. When you stop talking about the flu and you start talking about COVID, people die of COVID rather than of the flu. <clears throat> Their words that, you know, we hear in the media that the CDC reports can mean life or death to people. Isn't that amazing? So, um, I have another verse here that kind of goes along with this. Proverbs 18, verses 20 through 21. People will be rewarded for what they say. They will be rewarded by how they speak. What you say can mean life or death. Those who speak with care will be rewarded. What you say can mean life or death. Words are so powerful. Um, the other uh, people that are very specific how they use words are athletes. And I was made aware of this in a post-game interview. This happened seven years ago when I was more of an NFL football fan because, you know, football was about football then and not so much about politics like it is now. And... Um, so I'm going to show a short video clip. This is an interview that happened um, with Richard Sherman. And let me set this up. Um, um, he played cornerback for the Seattle Seahawks at the time. Now, cornerback is not the same as quarterback, just so you know. Cornerback, quarterback. But it is one of the most difficult positions to play on the football field because you have to run as fast as you can chasing someone 
And you have to be studying that person so you know the exact split second to react and knock the ball away before that person catches it. And it's, it's incredible, the athletes that can do this job. Um, <clears throat> so I, rem I actually watched this game. I don't watch all the games that I want to, but I actually watched this game, so I saw this interview. Um, and it, I think it was a playoff game, uh, you know, at the end of the season. I don't remember exactly, but it was pretty exciting. And they were playing the San Francisco 49ers, so they're like, you know, NFC rivals. And they were ahead by six points at the end of the game. And, of course, San Francisco gets the ball. They take it down the field, comes up to the last play of the game. And, uh, you know, a pass from, uh, I can't say his name, that one quarterback, but anyway, um, he gets the pass to uh, Michael Crabtree, and Richard knocks the ball away. Just perfect. Saves the game, you know? And so then, I, I couldn't believe it. The, the, the game had just ended, and they go, we're going to interview uh, Richard Sherman, you know, boom, just like within a minute. I don't even think the guy had caught his breath yet, you know. He just ran down the field and made this play, and so we are going to watch it. And it's a little disturbing, just, you know, but bare, it's short, so you, you can handle it. Uh-oh, we need some sound. Maybe you don't need the sound. <laughs> you, you get a pretty good picture of what happened there. Joe, thank you so much. Richard, let me ask you the final play. Take me through it. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Who was talking about you? Crabtree, don't you open your mouth about the best. Or you're going to shut it for you real quick. All right, before, and Joe, back over to you. All right, well, we saw. Yes, a very famous interview. It was kind of disturbing, I remember at the time. But I have written down the words he said. I had to listen to it very many times, but I have written them down so you can hear them. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the results you are going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. So this was what he had working in his mind. This is what he was talking to himself about so he could make that fantastic play. And, you know, it was kind of kind of hard to watch, you know, that's, but that's, that's how they do it. That's how they do this incredible stuff. They talk to themselves. They tell, them these, tell themselves these things, and it affects what they do. Isn't that amazing? Words are powerful. Okay, so let's read 
another scripture. This is Proverbs 4, 20 through 27. My child, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to what I say. Don't ever forget my words. Keep them always in mind. They are the key to life for those who find them. They bring health to the whole body. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Don't use your mouth to tell lies. Don't ever say things that are not true. Keep your eyes focused on what is right and look straight ahead to what is good. Be careful what you do and always do what is right. Don't turn off the road of goodness. Keep away from evil paths. Those are good words. What you hear affects what you say. What you say affects what you think. And what you think affects what you do. I am going to say that again. What you hear affects what you say. What you say affects what you think. What you think affects what you do. Okay, so I am getting close to wrapping it up here. Um, We're often told that the next generation is um, less moral, doesn't attend church, is godless. Um, But I want to talk about the young adults that I've had contact with this, this last winter. Um, so we've had about 20 to 24 show up at our house every Thursday evening. Sue feeds them dinner. That's probably why they come. We, we study the Bible. And um, I have to go so I can learn things. I do not teach the Bible study. I learn things. We have a great group of young adults coming up. I mean, fantastic. They, they know the Bible. They've thought about it. Um, and I'm, I am excited for the next generation. And, and they aren't all from country Christian. A lot of them go to neighboring churches in this area. Um, some have not even been raised here. Um, we've got people from who've ra- who were raised in Arizona people who were raised in South Carolina, but they're good people. And um, I'm excited about the next generation. So uh, I want to say something good, so just so I can try to be like Mitch. <clears throat> so uh, something else that, that helps us is, is what we listen to, because that affects what we, what we say and what we think. And I like to listen to Christmas music, as you all know. And, um, but lately, I've been listening to uh, an Easter playlist that my daughter Esther sent to me, and that's been really good, too. So, uh, you know, use these tools. I mean, we got them. Um, listen to, put good stuff in your head. 
So uh, I want to finish up with a song by Josh Baldwin that's, that's very encouraging to me. Um, so um, let's play that now. Thank you for doing those videos and scriptures for me. Okay, I'm going to pray from the back of the church like Jason's teaching me. Lord, we just thank you um, for how you blessed us. Thank you um, for this church. Thank you for the, the words of creation you used to create us and, and all the, the universe around us. And help us to remember how powerful our words are. Lord, just pray for a blessing on everyone this week. We pray in your name. Amen.